0: It's Under the Dome Radio, the full discussion and fan feedback show for Season 3, Episode 7, entitled Ejecta, recorded August third,
1: two 2015. Okay.
2: Thanks for tuning in to your Under the Dome radio podcast. It's the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. And it is number 62 in the episode guide for Under the Dome radio. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash 62 for the show notes. And we want to hear your voice on the next episode. So visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details on how to be included in the next episode. Now, Under the Dome radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network check out our other podcasts that will make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. We are also sponsored by lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Get yourself a 10-day free trial. Learn something new. Visit lynda.com dome for all the details. And me, I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who barely made it out of Texas last night and made it there at the airport before the TSA's closed for the night. So I'd have to spend the night there. I'm safely home. It's good to be back. How are you, Sir Troy?
0: I'm doing quite well, Sir Wayne. I'm glad that you made it safely. This is at Troy Heinrichs. And I only have one question for you, Wayne. Is that the sun?
2: (laughs) You never know what direction it's going to rise these days. So I will say no, it's not.
0: Yeah, because it all depends on whether you're in Texas or in California or Chicago.
2: Exactly. It could be most anywhere at any time.
0: Well, what are we going to cover tonight, Sir Wayne?
2: Well, we've got the breaking news segment. Got to keep you up to date with ratings, things happening around the mill. Then we've got requests and dedications where we're going to close the loop on last week's show. Any feedback we might have missed, and we do have some of that tonight. And we will feature our Under the Dome Clam of the Week and share your answers to the dome-provoking question of the week from last time. Then we're going to go on the air, and that's where we talk ourselves about what we found interesting on the most recent episode of Under the Dome. Then things really get good at on location we're going to chat with you diehard fans of under the dome we've got some great listener voicemails tonight and some other feedback so stay tuned for that and then wrapping it up with the investigative report we've got some details about next week's episode a little bit of spoilery stuff but not too bad so let's get things started shall we sir troy
0: We wanted to give you all a quick update on the special fundraiser marathon that we have going on for little Ben. Remember, he's the guy that's suffering from brain cancer. And this past weekend, I was actually part of that podcast marathon with the other folks from the Chester's Mill Report. We had a really good time talking a lot about the book, and we'll be able to share that with you from a YouTube video that we recorded. We're trying to narrow down the times so you don't obviously have to watch the entire 12 hour marathon. If you want to, you can. I mean, there's nothing else going on in the outside world. So it's okay to be underneath the bubble just watching YouTube as long as Acteon has the internet up. But we'll narrow that down for you. We'll put it at the show notes over at underthedomeradio.com slash 62. But we wanted to say a quick thank you and a great shout out to all the people so far that have given propane donations in honor of Ben this season. Uh, we want to say thanks to Corey, Barbara, and Barry, as well as Krista from Okinawa, And we just want to let you know that a few others did anonymous donations. So our total so far for Ben this season is $200. So that's just awesome. And like we said, all season. So we got six more episodes, six more weeks. Make sure you keep getting those propane donations in. And if you want to send them a check because you're not one of those like want to give your money online kind of people, you can do that. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash ben. And that will take you to a place where you can then get the information on how to mail a check-in to the trust. And that will also give you some information about Ben and keep you up to date on all of his progress with a Facebook group and things of that nature. So check it out at underthedomeradio.com slash Ben for all the details.
2: It's definitely a great cause and a great service. And everything that the Under the Dome Radio listeners have done to try to help out is fantastic because every bit helps. Now, the ratings this past week for Ejecta, it was a 1.0 with a 4 in the 18 to 49 with a 4.62. So the Dome was flat from last week, which is hard to do with the Dome is to keep it flat. But it's, it's holding steady is one way that we could put it, I suppose. And the DVR ratings for the week of July 6th through the 12th of Dome for the Kinship.
0: I think they actually looked pretty decent from what I was gathering, Wayne. It looked like Dome came in third. In terms of ratings bump, about 73% bump from their original rating of the 1.1 all the way up to a 1.9. And then I thought I saw that the viewership actually was around 8.2 million viewers, which was good for a 61% bump.
2: That's amazing. And reading the new way that they post some of the DVR plus numbers, you kind of have to wrap your head around it in a different way than the actual Nielsen ratings. But it's just amazing how many people for all the different shows that are out there, more and more people are watching via DVR, especially a Thursday night show that's great to watch later on. I mean, Wayward Pines, for example, that jumped up 110%. Amazing.
0: Yeah, it's crazy when you think about how DVR viewership is going that almost as many people watch it delayed as watch it live. And so there, there has to be something said about that, which is why I think with 8 million people still watching in the summer, I, I still think that season four is a good possibility <laughs> as long as Amazon's cutting the checks.
2: <laughs> Amazon, uh, contact me. I've got some thoughts.
0: I mean, even, even a, another CBS property, Zoo, looking at the numbers here for this week of June six, or sorry, July 6th through the 12th, uh, Zoo started out with a 7.6 million take for the live And they added another 3 million to get over 10 million viewers for zoo. That's just crazy.
2: That is amazing. I don't know if that was the season premiere that week or not, because I do not watch zoo. And from some of the people that I talked to at the podcast movement conference, uh, zoo's not one that is highly recommended. Let's just put it that way.
0: (laughs) Well, that'll do it for ratings this week. Why don't we go ahead now into our requests and dedication. (laughs) Well, we had a little bit of layover voicemail. That's a joke for Wayne since he flew in on a plane last night. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And uh, Krista from Okinawa wanted to chime in on her thoughts on Caged before we get into Ejecta's uh, information here later on in the show. So take it away, Krista.
1: Hi, Wayne. Hi, Troy. This is Krista from Okinawa. I wanted to make a quick comment about last week's show, Caged. Sorry for chiming in so late, um, but I did want you you all to know that I really think that Barbie is not part of the kinship. I think that somewhere along the line he awoke, if he was ever sleep. Um, uh, pardon me for using those terms, but that he awoke and he's um, and and so even though they think he's part of them, everything about his mannerisms suggests to me that he's not. I mean, if you look at um, like his body language, it's not that kind of robotic. Controlled, uh, like like the townspeople. His voice is not monotone. It's still, you know, animated. Um, he still seems to have a sense of awareness. Um, he's saying all of the right words to convince. Pristine um, and all the rest. That so he's part of them, and to, and it seems like he's saying all the right words to convince Julia that he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. But again, it's not consistent with all the body language. It's, it's it's inconsistent. And then when I did the rewatch, and right at the end, you know, he had he he how he grabbed her by her shoulders and said, you know, you need to go back to Bird Island and whatever he said. It was so it has so much passion in it. And if you look at that, how he was looking at her in his eyes, it's, and, and you notice his back was to Christine at the time, it was almost like he was pleading with her, like Julia, go to Bird Island where you will be safe. And he, and he, of course, he had this very passionate voice because he needed to convince Christine that he was actually serious about that. But I don't think so at all. I think that he is aware of what's going on. He's trying to infiltrate the group. He's trying to keep Julia safe. Uh, and, and this is all just an act. So, But anyway, I just wanted to share that before the, the, the next show airs. Um, Let's just keep that between me, you, and the wall, okay? So, and we'll we'll see how this plays out. Thanks so much, and I look forward to seeing what's going to happen this week. Bye now.
2: Krista, thank you so much for your call, and you brought up some great points, so we wanted to share it with everybody here, even though it was focused on the previous episode. And even after the most recent episode, Ejecta, we still can't tell for sure what way Barbie's going. And, Troy, I think it's fair to say... Krista may be having a better idea of Barbie's body language than us.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought throughout most of ejecta too, it was Barbie's kind of back and forth. And then we found out, of course, in the episode, that emotion is what gets you broken away from the goop, from the, from the kinship. And because of that, we have to assume that he is pulling away from the kinship up until the end of ejecta. And then that's when you see him throw the dog tags on the ground. And at that point, he's like, I just give up. I give in. I can't do anything anymore. So, yes, I'm just going to go follow, you know, my uh, shirtless girlfriend, you know, blindly into the into the good night.
2: (laughs) It's one way to put it. You never can tell with Barb's, though, because I don't think all hope is lost. It's not a spoiler. I'm just predicting all hope is not lost. (laughs) I'm going to
0: say all hope is lost because I don't think he's going to be part of the rebellion. That's going to come from Bird Island. We'll see. Well, last week we asked you what will happen now that Christine cocooned herself.
2: And if you said it would become a beacon to summon meteors from the home planet while causing humans to jump out of windows, you would be right.
0: That's the one thing that I want to know. That's the big question I have is did those meteors come because she was in the cocoon since the cocoon was purple and the meteors were purple, not pink? You know, just a, a a little nitpick I have. <laughs> it's pink stars falling. Make them pink. They're not purple.
2: Uh, yeah, More of a magenta.
0: Uh, sure. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was the one thing. Did, did she actually make those meteors happen? That's what I, I have to wonder.
2: Okay. Keep wondering, Troy.
0: All right. Well, we didn't have any new fan clamors this week, and that's okay. But we still have half a season to go. So remember that you have to get clamoring. Because there is a special prize at the end of the season for the best Clamor. So you can do that in a few ways. Download Clamor for your iOS device. Just visit Clamor.com to download the app. Or if you're a non-iOS user, actually at Clamor.com directly now, you can basically have the full app experience right on the web. So if you have a Droid or you just want to do it on your computer, you can make all your Clamors just by going to Clamor.com directly, sign in, And then use the little red microphone button to start to upload your audio. It's pretty awesome what they did to make the uh, full iOS app available on the web. And then, of course, to be featured here on the podcast, you want to make sure you add the tag, hashtag UTDRfan. That's under the dome radio fan, UTDRfan, to your clamor. And then that way we'll see it and be able to play it on the show.
2: And since I am clamoring for clams... (laughs) hee <laughs> um at the end of the season the best clams are going to be voted on by you the listener and a special prize awaits the winner so get a clam in today at slash clam
0: and we said of course on a reaction cast that the dome provoking question for next week is going to be very simply where in the heck did the giant flame wall come from
2: <laughs> and at first glance it appeared that maybe big jim had a lot more of his underground propane stored and it just ignited and the flames were just coming out of the ground like a giant uh, pretty fireplace. But I doubt that's where they're going.
0: Because if it was from that big meteor that crashed at the beginning of the episode, I mean, that was right at the start of the meteor shower and that thing hit pretty darn close to the dome. So I would have thought the flame wall would have happened much sooner, but it took, you know, an entire evening morning until about eight o'clock for that flame wall to show up.
2: I know. And it gave plenty of time for people to get safely to the dome to pound on it before what appears to be their sudden demise when the flames engulf them. So with
0: that, I think it's time to finally break down Ejecta. What say you, Mr. Henderson?
2: I say let's do the Ejecta and talk about this episode that was visually very pretty in <clears throat> most parts.
0: <laughs> in most. <laughs> yes, it was very pretty Indeed. Uh, just the opening sequence. After that, you have to drink a little bit in order to make things look more pretty.
2: <laughs> it works.
0: It certainly does. Quick rundown of ejecta in case you missed it. Uh, we basically had, uh, I think it was about three or four factions. I forget. Cause it's been so long since we watched the show, but there's like three little groups and we're experiencing this night of the comet. There's a throwback to an eighties uh, movie for you. Uh, if you, the night of the comets, the meteors coming down and we're seeing it from all of these four different perspectives. One perspective is of course, Jim and Julia over on bird Island. One of them is Hunter, Joe and Nori. One of them is Sam. And then of course, one of them is, uh, Barbie and Ava together. And we're getting little pieces of information throughout the course of the episode. What we can basically tell you is that Julia and big Jim steal the show for this episode when they are drunk and together, they are probably the best couple I've ever seen on Under the Dome. They, they take the cake. They should have kissed at the end of this episode. It would have made icing on the cake even better. Um, but uh. really, at the end of the day, uh, it was basically Barbie getting mad at Ava for hiding the keys and locking them in this fire tower where they were watching the thing take place because no Ava, boy. of course, is trying to get pregnant with baby's child. So Barbie can become the protector that Christine wants him to be. Uh, Hunter is basically a nice Hunter because he's off his pain meds. When they put him back on the pain meds, he basically becomes psycho Hunter and he actually wants to kill himself. And if he's not going to kill himself, he's going to kill Joe and then kill himself afterwards. And then we also have going on Sam who is trying to help out Joe and Nori, but gets confronted by Junior. They fight in the dark with a flashlight tag game. And then that eventually gets them to Christine eventually coming out of the cocoon with just her hand trying to reach for Sam's neck. And so all in all, what we found out is that the outside world is basically destroyed. And Barbie went to the dome wall to try to tell people, hey, go run to Zenith. There's a way in. But in order to get to Zenith, you got to run through the flame wall anyway. So it doesn't exactly. really matter. <laughs> in the meantime, Barbie's fan club screams for his name outside the dome wall, as Wayne shared with you on Pinterest and on Twitter earlier this week. Long story short, Barbie gets pissed off, rips the dog taves off slams him on the ground and walks off with Ava into the not sunset because the sun comes up on the other side of the dome at eight o'clock in the morning.
2: That was messing with my clock. I was trying like, what, what, what? It was just crazy that the time codes were even there because I think they were totally meaningless, but you brought up an excellent point about the fight scene in the dark because I've got a newer TV now. So the, When I'm watching Falling Skies and Under the Dome, when there's nighttime scenes, I see a little bit better. But this one was especially dark. I could have sworn this was a scene that was from a a few seasons ago of Falling Skies. And it appeared like there were two rolling masons on the ground. But the voiceover was that of, what was it, Junior and Uncle Sam and to cover it up and the flashlights. And it was just chaotic. And then you brought up about Hunter. This guy, in just three episodes, has flip-flopped so many times that... I actually kind of wish that uh, Nori, with her previous skill at killing a pig, maybe she can get rid of Hunter once and for all.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then, of course, she was uh, taking Ava to town, too, with her karate skills, so it'd be nice if we can just put Hunter out of his misery. It's what he wants anyway.
2: Yeah, give the man what he wants. It's a television show.
0: Oh, man. Well, then we had a couple listeners uh, ping us uh, on Twitter, and they were like, Julia mentioned something about, oh, this could be the sixth extinction event. And everybody's like, what do you mean six? I thought there was only the one that killed the dinosaurs. And she mentioned that there were five mass extinction events. So we mentioned on the reaction cast that we would bring up what those five uh, extinction events are, depending on, of course, how you believe creation, evolution, and all that stuff. That's not the conversation we're having tonight. We're just reporting what the five are that that the show referenced. So let's not get into a holy war or anything here this evening. No, um,
2: this isn't that kind of podcast. And before you start, let me put out my predictions because I have not read this article. I'm anxiously hearing you sharing that with us. But Extinctions, uh, some of the big ones were the Betamax, the LP, the cassette, the reel-to-reel tape. I've kind of got an audio theme going here, don't I? Uh, I could be wrong. Share it with us, Troy. You forgot Laserdisc. I have three Disney laser discs, ladies and gentlemen,
0: and they still work.
2: <laughs> I didn't. I don't know
0: <laughs> until your grandson put the laser disc on the record player, and then wait. Wait, this isn't a record.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if only I still had a laser disc player, I could pull out those giant DVDs.
0: Okay, so I do not know if these are in alphabetical order or time order because I did not get a timeline. But the five major mass extinction events, as denoted by scientists is the, um, and I'm going to totally butcher this, the Ordovician silurian mass extinction. It's the third largest event in Earth's history. Uh, It had two pink dying times separated by hundreds of thousands of years during the Ordovician, Most life was in the sea, so it was mostly sea creatures such as trilobites and brachiopods and grappolites that were were drastically reduced in number. So there was a a kill-all-the-water stuff. Basically, was that extinction event? Then the next one was the Late Devonon, Devonian, sorry, Late Devonian mass extinction, where three quarters of all species on Earth died out in the Late Devonian mass extinction. Though it may have been a series of extinctions over several million years, rather than a single catastrophic event, life in the shallow seas were the worst affected, and reefs took a hammering not returning to their former glory until new types of coral evolved over a hundred million years later. Then we have the Permian mass extinction and the Permian mass extinction has been nicknamed the great dying since a staggering 96% of all species died out on earth. So basically what they're saying is that all life on earth today, as we know it is descended from the 4% of the species that survived. That's pretty scary. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yes it is
0: then we had the triassic jurassic mass extinction during the final 18 million years of the triassic period there were two or three phases of extinction whose combined effects created the triassic jurassic mass extinction event climate change food uh, uh sorry flood basalt eruptions and an asteroid impact have all been blamed for the loss of life during this period And then, of course, we have the one that everybody knows of, which is the Cretaceous uh, tertiary mass extinction event, otherwise known as the KT extinction, is the famed death of the dinosaurs. However, many other organisms perished at the end of this period, including the ammonites, many flowering plants, and the last of the pterosauruses. So that's like pterodactyls, you know, giant dinosaurs with bird-like faces and beaks.
2: They're similar to giant dragonflies that can carry Mason's way in a single flutter. That they could. And that one is my personal favorite. But thanks to the scientists and the work with the Jurassic Park movie franchise, you never know. We may bring those guys all back. Though I do think a real-life pterodactyl could be quite frightening to have in your town.
0: So we'll actually put a link. There was actually a good BBC special about nature and prehistoric life. We'll put a link to that in the show notes at underthedomeradio.com slash 62. And it was interesting that they brought up these five extinction events and that Julia said that this was the sixth. Because the one thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the listener feedback, because I think we covered a lot of the stuff on the reaction cast uh, this time around. But the one question I had for you was this conversation between uh, Junior and Sam as they're walking to the cave to go down the hole. And he was talking about how this is just like what happened on their home planet that they had some, you know, mass extinction event. And then it's, they're like, Oh my gosh, it's happening again. So my question to you, Wayne was if this happened on their home planet, is somebody else bombarding them? And now they're doing it again on earth, which leads me to believe is the alien entity that is in Christine, not even like, a good alien, right? If we're talking back to my third faction theory, could Christine's alien also be impacting the other aliens in a negative way, much like they're affecting the humans in a negative way?
2: I would believe so. I think that your theory that you had a long time ago about the third faction coming into play and some other listeners had that theory as well, that that could be what is going on here now with only six episodes left in under the dome, it, It's going to take a lot of action to get this all wrapped up, but I think they are definitely gunning for Christine and coming to get her. And the more that the rest of this progresses, like the scene you mentioned between where were they in the forest or the weeds or wherever with uncle Sam and junior and the drones. They were in the, they were in the bamboo forest. They were in the bamboo forest (laughs) on the lost Island. (laughs) And I think it's kind of strange how, the, all those other poor red shirts, they're, they're just called basically drones. These other useless uh, minions wandering around. But that scene, the way they played it out and they talked about the home world and all that, the more and more this series goes on, the more and more Aaron Arnett's first voicemail to us at the end of season two could be correct.
0: That it's very well possible. you know. And then we saw another one of the amethyst crystals go out. So I wonder if that's going to have any significance
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I just think they spent some money building that little uh, set with the uh, the cocoons and all that. And so they're going to make sure they find a way to use it at least in some fashion every single week this year.
0: And I think the one thing we didn't touch on in the reaction cast was, of course, this transmission at the end. So we saw Julia was trying to set up the computer. She was reading through the Acteon Energy user manual or how to help guide in order to establish communication link with the outside world. She must have figured that out because then we had this voice that, hey, hey, is anybody there? So the question I had from you was, now this would be really cool and I think this would actually, you know, get us to keep watching the dome. Even though we would technically still keep watching the dome, this would really get us excited to watch the dome. And that's the original theory that we had that there might be multiple domes. And so could it be that this voice... The, the first thought is maybe it's a trick and the voice is coming from inside the dome underneath a bunch of potato sacks like in the book. Or it could be that this voice is actually coming from another dome because there was another intact egg. And therefore, the domes are communicating with each other. What do you think of
2: that? Although I like the sound of that, I think it's too late in the series to try to go that direction because... There's been all these opportunities over the first two seasons of Under the Dome, and even the beginning of this season, where there could have been contact with Zenith and the rest of the outside world, that if there were other domes somewhere, we would have heard about it by now.
0: Well, the only way we would have heard about it was through maybe some of the Acteon stuff in late season two, but at that point, they were focusing on getting the one intact egg. Maybe they didn't know that there was another intact egg in other places, because... We're focusing on these characters. So could it be if a season four were to come about that season four would focus on a whole new set of characters in a completely other dome?
2: Well, I'm all for all new characters, (laughs) but not the season four necessarily. But in season one, there were a few occasions where they had been in touch with the outside world. And there were references on the world news about the dome in Chester's Mill, but no mention of any other domes anywhere else.
0: Well, and could it be that because your anthropologist was trapped in Chester's Mill by triggering the egg that Actaeon needed to hire other anthropologists in order to figure out how to get into the dome? They inherently went to other meteor sites and could have then potentially triggered a dome after the dome it came down.
2: That's the only plausible explanation, I think, for multiple domes.
0: But plausible and would be kind of cool if there were multiple domes then.
2: then Because
0: then you could open up the how do you travel between domes?
2: That would be fun.
0: Jump in a a lake upside down. (laughs) Make sure you go cannonball only because only cannonballs work.
2: Right. (laughs) And, And the fact that if all of that were to come into play, it's going to really turn up the action because nothing else, well, almost nothing else has made sense this season, especially on Under the Dome. So something you touched on earlier, if by some chance, Julia... And Big Jim shared a kiss in this week's episode or next week's episode. It's in the realm of realisticness as anything else that we've seen this year.
0: The two of them this week were just fantastic.
2: Yes, they were. That You're going to be surprised.
0: Oh, man. Well, and it just turns out that as we go into our Big Jim quippy liners of the week, both of them come from when Big Jim and Julia were together, which isn't hard because they were the only two on Bird Island. But uh, before we get into that, I just want to let you know that big jar actually did win last week. Maybe people were afraid to vote big ass just because of the word or something. I don't know. Yeah,
3: maybe, <laughs>
0: but hundred percent of the vote went to big jar uh, last week. And again, we're playing those on clamor. You can also hear them on the show notes page. So you'll see the ones for this week at under radio.com slash 62. Make sure you click the link and cast your votes and share it on Twitter. Cause we want to let Dean Norris know how much fun we're having with the lines He's been delivering this week. So first up is the scene where we're talking about the pink stars falling once again, and of course, Big Jim has not only a nice liner about the pink stars, but he also has a message for all the liberals out there as well.
1: Here, boy, Indy.
0: What oh, you got? You got
4: to put your gut into it,
1: Indy. He's a dog. He can hear us. I'm trying not to scare him away.
4: And he's not a liberal. He doesn't get scared at everything.
1: Indy! Indy! Andy! Pink stars?
3: I'll start with that crap again.
1: Jim, look. What the hell? Shooting stars burn out. Did that star just hit us?
3: Oh my god.
5: Looks like a
4: meteor!
0: No, it's a magic school bus. Of course, it's a meteor.
2: <laughs> magic school bus. Those, that was fantastic. I mean, there was like seven different big gem lines we could have picked from. So we narrowed it down. And that one is just fantastic. Don't start with that. Pink stars falling crap again. Oh, my goodness.
0: And of course, it's not, they're not scared of everything. They're liberals. It's like, oh, my goodness. But I think the best part of that scene, if you remember the scene... Is she's like doing the, you know, hey, Andy, and then she's like, hey, Andy, <laughs> and I mean, just- which she does it. She does this like rolls her eyes and big exaggeration. That's why you hear her hands slap against her legs. It was so classic. It's probably the coolest thing Julia's done on the show.
2: Oh, I was going to say that. Definitely my favorite Julia moment ever. Oh, yeah,
0: it was so good. So that one is big, uh big crap. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a theme week to week here. If you can figure it out. Uh, big crap is the hashtag for that one. Uh, the second one this week is, of course, when they are having a little bit of the good stuff, as Jim likes to put it, as they're talking about the guy that used to own the house that they're staying at on Bird Island.
3: It's a, you know, bleeding heart type, rich as he was. And lush, too. Which means we get to watch the world end while we drink... The good stuff. Ah. Obviously, he was a bird lover, too.
1: I loved him so much, he had them killed and stuffed. No. <laughs> Something funny.
3: I was just thinking how good I'd like stuffed up there. You have a hard time with your hair, though.
0: And no trouble at all with yours.
1: Uh,
2: that's true.
0: <laughs> I love it. No trouble. they have a little trouble with your hair, though.
2: I think the big Jim and Julia stuff, whether or not they're overindulging, that should be all we see on Under the Dome for the rest of this season.
0: I can tell you right now, I would pay money to see the 22-minute comedy with the two of them for the, on CBS to go up with the Big Bang Theory in the fall.
2: Well, it's it's amazing. You know, you can already pre-order season three of Under the Dome on DVD and Blu-ray. Just look for the link on our website at underthedomeradio.com. They've got to have some outtakes from this particular scene, all of this stuff in the in the house with the booze and them talking. There have to be some outtakes that are even wilder than what they said on this episode.
0: Oh, there definitely has to be some like alcohol spittage as they're like trying to deliver these lines and they're like just spitting alcohol out at each other. I mean, Ugh. all of this sequence between, I mean, we could have just gotten rid of the entire like Joe, Nori, Hunter, yes. Barbie, yes. Ava. Yes. We we, yes. we needed Junior and Sam, I think, nah. in, in order to get to the emotion thing. Nah. Um, but that could have been like 10 minutes of the episode and everything else just could have been Big Jim and Julia this week. It was awesome. Uh, that is a big stuff. For so the hashtag. hashtag,
2: hashtag big stuff or a hashtag?
0: Big crap. <laughs>
2: oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, <sighs> good stuff. And don't even make jokes about me just now getting back from the podcast movement. As I talk about this episode and give my rating of the overall episode, it, you may be stunned. This is actually my highest rating maybe of the whole season, but definitely since the premiere of this season, I, I think this is my highest I've gone. And it's only because of big Jim and Julia Shumway and the fact that, They just at least mentioned that there was a Peter Shumway. I'm giving this episode six. That's right. You heard me six out of 10 precious, perfect, purposeful people under a dome.
0: Love it. Love it. That is your highest. I think that's your highest since the season two premiere.
2: We're on a roll. So let's keep it just being big Jim and Julia Shumway with actual mentions to things that happened in season one.
0: Well, what I can tell you is that I was really annoyed with this episode because I wanted it to be so much more than it was. But thanks to Big Jim and Julia, I also gave it a 6 out of 10. Suns rising in the West.
2: God, very nice. And wouldn't that blow your mind if you woke up tomorrow and there was the sunrise on the other side of your house?
0: (laughs) It would be a little freaky, I have to say.
2: I'd rather have that than flames coming up uh, outside the dome that's outside of my house.
0: Well, the only reason it would be freaky is because I didn't have to be like, dang it! Lyle was right again.
2: (laughs) He's more right all the time. They need to bring him back somehow. The ghost, the ghost of Lyle. Yes. Remember
0: your local barber knows everything.
2: (laughs) Yes, he does. That's what barbers do. Now, because of all these changes going on in Chester's mill from week to week, you know, the job market in that town is really tough, even though the population is dwindling by red shirts left and right every week. And because of that, lynda.com comes to your rescue if you visit lynda.com slash dome you'll get 10 days of free learning to jumpstart a new skill master your current craft that way you can be relaxed in your job security which will then free up the energy to help keep your emotions in check so you don't go cray cray
0: that's true that's true for example when you just happen to be locked inside of a fire tower during a meteor shower wouldn't it be great to capture that memory with a time-lapse photo But this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, so you got to make sure you're prepared for the event. And you can do that by taking the course, shooting a nighttime time lapse video with Richard Harrington. You can learn what to bring and what to do, both in the field and during your post-production editing. So you can get great looking nighttime time lapses. As if anyone does survive outside of the dome, you can then be able to share that entire event with them to say, look, you survived all of this. And it would just be awesome.
2: That is a very valuable course because you can't just go out there and take a picture, even with an iPhone 6 Plus and its great camera. It's not going to capture nighttime stuff just holding it in your hand. So visit lynda.com dome. They will give you over 3,000 video courses taught by expert teachers like the one Troy mentioned on any device you wish, even a Microsoft Surface tablet. Most importantly, citizens of Chester's Mill, you can even watch them Offline. If you get an annual premium membership, which is good because Action is messing around, Christine's messing around, somebody's going to take away your internet. So have it available offline. Start your 10-day learning journey at lynda.com slash dome. That's lynda.com slash dome. It's free today.
0: And with that, we are going to go to Bird Island and hang out with Jim and Julia and have a drink because
4: we're all in this together.
0: That's right. It's on our On Location segment and first up this week, we're going to hear at plus one our good friend, Neil.
5: Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling into Under the Dome Radio for Under the Dome Season 3, Episode 7, Ejecta. Well, the most pitiful scene was people ejecting themselves out of windows crying, There's no one to guide us. God, that was sad. Most hilarious scene in the whole series so far, Barbie leaving the naked Eva. She was quite shocked there. That was just hilarious. Unfortunately, he didn't think of bringing some way to communicate with the people outside the dome. He has past experience in this, but no, didn't think about it. Even more unfortunate, he soon succumbed again to Eva and lost the will to think for himself. Julie's statement, the dome's here to protect, it's just not here to protect us, seems correct at the moment. We'll have to see what happens there. One interesting bit of the episode is Junior talking to Sam about how they were aliens who left their planet due to a similar bombardment event. Were the Pink Star visions we saw earlier in the series a racial memory or a prophecy? If they are a prophecy, then why are they there? I mean, they just left a planet that was bombarded and now they went to another one that's getting bombarded. Doesn't seem to make that much sense. Are there enough of them in the dome? Most of them are just drones. There are just a few thinking aliens there. Junior, Christine, Eva, soon to be Barbie, and I guess Barbie and Eva's uh, star baby in the future. So, do they think they're going to be able to survive on what's left of the Earth or just in the dome? Presumably they will lift the dome once the fires and so forth die down, or maybe they'll just take the dome themselves off somewhere else. I have no idea what's really going to happen next time under the dome onward.
2: Onward, Neil from Bowie. Thank you so much for sending that in. Great points that I did not even notice. And the fact that, uh, you know, Barbie forgot his notepad. And Troy, what do you think about the pink star prophecy? Or could it be something else?
0: Yeah, the fact that they talked about this other planet being bombarded. I'm glad Neil brought it up because I always thought it was prophecy the whole time, right? It was them having the seizures and saying pink stars are falling, pink stars are falling. And don't tell anybody about it. And then it was Lyle in his 10,000-foot flames as I pulled him out of that frozen lake. You remember that one time that everything was frozen?
2: I remember that. That was brought up, yes.
0: <laughs> and But what if the aliens or whatever the alien was projecting, potentially, maybe they were communicating as they were with those ghost aliens in the first and second seasons, maybe this was a memory of their time on this other planet rather than truly being a prediction for the future.
2: Could be, but I'm getting the sense that these aliens, you know, obviously they're very intelligent. They're able to travel between space and dimension and who knows what else. So they've got book smarts, but they don't seem to have street smarts. If they're going, like Neil said, to another planet, that's got the same thing going on.
0: Well, and that's the question of this third faction concept. Is it that they're being chased across the galaxy, one planet to the next, and it won't stop until they finally stop being body snatchers. They have to live on their own.
2: I'm just hoping that if there is a third faction, Troy, that they make themselves known soon and that they wipe out these aliens that are bothersome to our friends here in Chester's Mill.
0: Let's continue on with Hank, who sent in this MP3 by going to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback and uploading this great recording right there on the website.
3: Hi, guys. This is Hank from Superhero Talk Live. Located at tpenetwork.com live. The 24-style filming of this episode, I agree with you guys. It was kind of off-putting, and it was a strange way to present this week's episode, but we'll move past that. The biggest point of the episode that had me was Barbie's emotions don't help him break free in this situation. If you just take a look at how this unfolded, you have him and Ava up in that tower, and she's half-naked, but he gets mad at her for hiding the keys. That's a deal-breaker. However, when they're at the edge of the dome and flames are engulfing a little kid, he's ready to join the kinship. I thought that was really odd because for a moment there, I thought he was going to break free due to that powerful emotion until he took off the dog tags, and then I was like, well, okay, maybe he's not breaking free and pretending to be a part of it. So he can break it up from the inside. Maybe this is real. I thank the writers, producers, or whoever made the decision not to pursue the Big Jim and Julia potential relationship. Thank you for not going there. Oh, I was getting really worried when they started drinking. And the portion of the episode that really burned me up, pun intended. Sam getting subdued by his nephew. You're talking to Hank Davis here. I have over 40 Nephews and nieces, great nephews and great nieces. And if they were to try Uncle H like that, that would just not work out well. I I would even guess that even near all 50 of them, that would not happen. That really irked me that Uncle Sam is just getting held in place by his nephew. Sorry, Charlie. But that's just not how uncles roll. This was a slower paced episode this week, but I like the little resistance and and where that might go, because that is an unlikely group of people that are the resistance. Can't wait to hear the full feedback episode. Talk to you next time. Thanks for doing the podcast, guys.
0: Hank Davis. Thanks so much for sending that in. Some good points there. I'm curious to meet all of his uh, (laughs) nephews and nieces. That's a lot to contend with all at one time. But um,
2: (laughs) he is definitely a great uncle that I can't even fathom that many. That is awesome. And I bet he's a really fun uncle. They love visiting Uncle Hank.
0: Absolutely. He tells some really cool bedtime stories with that voice, too.
2: He's awesome. Future voice of NFL films. You never know.
0: So he talks about uh, Junior being able to take on Sam. And I'm wondering if the oxytocin does do something to amp up your body, because remember, they don't need to sleep. So maybe he did have the ability to overpower Sam one because Sam was still kind of recovering from being a lush just a couple hours ago. So he might not have gotten a lot of sleep or whatever. So it is possible that Junior could have overtaken him. So I'll I'll let that one slide. But the whole emotion thing with Barbie, I think, is the one thing in this episode that I was really annoyed with and why I was probably going to score it more like a four instead of a six. And that's because of the fact that you had all this back and forth going on where he's like, I'm emotional, I'm not emotional, I'm emotional, I'm not emotional, and the whole time, and then it's finally like, I just give up. So when I give up, now I become part of the kinship because I don't have emotion at all. It's weird.
2: They just turn on and off whether or not they want to have the emotion thing factor into the story or not. I still think it's the the lamest way to drive humanity's saving since the cold that was on uh, War of the Worlds I mentioned on our reaction cast the other night which we had a lot of fun doing
0: yeah we sure did i mean then of course nori comes up to the door and it's like wait it's us i know how we can save everybody we have to make them feel
2: oh, just get in touch with your feelings the unicorns the lollipops and all that good stuff
0: it's almost like I, almost like you need to go to cloud cuckoo land from the lego movie where everything is awesome
2: That, oh, I need to watch that movie yet again. But (laughs) Hank made a great observation, definitely a great observation, that this is a very unlikely and unusual group of resistance people. And I do think they need to get rid of Hunter right away. He's the first one to go.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree on that one. Well, we had another one here. This is, again, from Ben Avery. Uh, He called in a couple times here the last couple weeks. Let's see what Ben has to say.
4: Hello, Wayne and Troy. It's your fellow Noodle Mix Network host, Ben Avery, from Welcome to Level 7 at welcometolevel7.com, where we're talking about Marvel Legends of Field, Daredevil, Ant-Man, Avengers. I'm going to stop there because I have a lot to talk about about this episode. Ejecta. First, the key. Oh, the key. (sighs) Wouldn't the first thing you do be to ask the other person who was there, hey, did you move the key? And, And then when they say no, you don't trust them. Because literally there is no other way for that key to have fallen when you guys have been standing on the other side of the room for four hours. Not, not a fan of that. But I do have to say, staying in the fire tower for a moment, I love the Rusty and Linda on the wall. That was a nice touch. And I also have to say that this episode, there were, dare I say, uh, moments of brilliance here those quiet character moments and, and even the time jumps and, and the structure of this episode. I, I enjoyed a lot of this episode. I enjoyed the destruction happening outside of the dome and happening quietly. They're not hearing the explosions. We are not hearing the explosions. We're inside the dome with them. And that's a nice touch. That was a really nice touch. Uh, this was an actor's episode. This was an episode that showcased our characters In this momentous occasion. But this momentous occasion. Was really a bottle episode. If you think about it. It took pockets of characters. Put them in sets that they already had. And yes there was all the special effects. Happening outside the dome. But at the same time. It was just duos of characters. Really in small locations. And and it explored their relationships. The duos being. uh, Junior and Sam. With their conflict. Uh, Julia and Big Jim and their evolving relationship that's based on necessity. There's no other reason for them to have a relationship other than they need each other because they have literally no one else uh, until the end of the episode. Uh, Joe and Nori being one side of a duo and and then um, Hunter being the other side of that duo where they're figuring things out and but then Joe and Nori are also having their own duo where they're, they're sitting there and they're having these conversations and the lights are, are flickering and, and you're just getting glances up at the lights. You're not necessarily even seeing the meteors and you're not even necessarily seeing in, in all these situations. We are seeing it, but often, more often than not, maybe I, I wouldn't have any way of knowing without going back and rewatching the episode and timing things. But more often than not, we're seeing reactions to things happening to the dome then we are actually seeing the things happening to the dome. And then we have Barbie and Ava and their thing. The key thing didn't work for me. I mean, it it was what it was because, you know, we wanted to keep Barbie away from going downstairs. I, I don't know if I could have figured out a better way to do it. I don't know if it even matters. Uh, the point was just to keep Barbie from going off and running off and doing something noble, but that would cause problems in ava's eyes and then you know they go to the dome and realize there is no hope people outside of the dome are going to die and that was horrific to really think about i mean it was it was terrible and terrifying and i didn't feel tense and i didn't feel horrified in the sense of what a real gut-wrenching emotional moment would be with with these people dying uh, because I was detached from it. And you know why I was detached from it? Because there was a dome there. And you know who else was detached from it? Barbie. And and so I feel like in this episode, I'm actually feeling the things that the creators want me to feel as the episode plays out. The way I, the way I would put it is I'm a little ambivalent about this episode in that I am very intrigued by where they're going now. And my question, where is this going? It still isn't quite answered. But it's getting much, much closer. But I'm also feeling frustrated with uh, just how the characters are taking us there. And this episode actually even shined a light on some of the problems I had with different character relationships. But when it comes right down to it, this episode, I feel like, was a step in the direction that I wanted it to take. There's potential for this concept. And in this episode, they were taking a step toward that potential rather than playing up the soap opera drama and and just having things happen for the sake of having stuff happen. So uh, thanks for the podcast, guys. And uh, once again, this is Ben Avery from WelcomeLevel7.com and also ComicWithTimeMachine.com, where we talk about comic books and stuff like that, Uh, signing off and saying, again, thanks for all the work you're putting into this, guys.
2: You are very welcome, and we thank you, Ben Avery. Excellent voicemail. You bring up things from a whole different angle, and we love that because it really makes us think, now, two quick things. You mentioned the nice touch with the Russ and Linda up in the tower wherever it was they were. I assume the Linda was Linda uh Sheriff Linda that we lost uh unexpectedly at the beginning of season 2. I don't remember Russ. I could just be remiss. Do you R- remember yeah, Russ? Yeah,
0: Rusty was uh her fiance, the fireman that was outside the dome and they had the the Mac on session when they kissed the dome in season 1.
2: Oh. Okay. Well, Ben brought up something even better. He used the term brilliance in relation to part of this episode. Whoa.
0: Whoa. Brilliance. I don't think it was. I mean, I I like what he was saying about how we connected with the characters because it was the emotion that they wanted us to feel about this episode. And, And I get that. But at the same time, the time jumping thing and the lamenting and the not seeing the stuff happening outside to the dome and not having a connection to the outside world, I think is like when you get to the end of the episode and you have this voice, if the voice is coming from outside the dome, it's like, I I don't care that anybody survived. So why do I care that there's this one person? Because I have no, like you said, I have no connection with the outsiders. So therefore, why do I care that there's this voice on the transmission?
2: That's an excellent observation. Not to mention the fact that I don't know how that signal is able to come through. But also, we don't really know, even though so many characters in the episode said the entire rest of the world's destroyed. We are all that's left. How did they know that? All they saw was some flames and fireballs and meteors outside in whatever state Chester's Mill is supposed to be situated in. But beyond that and in other countries of the world, things could still be hunky-dory. We have no proof either way.
0: Yeah, because remember, the giant 10,000-foot flame wall was coming at them, not away from them to wipe out the rest of the planet. So this Correct. all could have just been started a mile away. I and mean, and literally just that, you know, the big overhead shot we got at the end of season one of the Black Dome and the White Dome, maybe just what's visible is what was affected. But the
2: rest of the earth is fine. For all we know till proven otherwise, maybe was, next week on Under the Dome.
0: Yeah, it, I'm sure it will all flush itself out because otherwise there wouldn't be a show to keep going because we can't do a season four of just people in Chester's Mill. That, that, that's not going to fly. We need to expand the world by the time season four rolls around if it, if it were to continue
2: and maybe bring the character of Pope over from Falling Skies.
0: That would be interesting. That I would watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we did have a secret transmission of our own actually come in. I think it might have even been picked up on our own Acteon computer. I'm not sure who this is from, so I'm just going to go ahead and play it. Wayne, Troy,
6: it's me, Aaron Arnett Jr., there's been a terrible accident. The plane that I was flying in. Well, I, I, we we came into contact with the, with a dome. I don't believe it was Chester's Mill, but but our communications, our communications and our navigation system was it was malfunctioning. We were supposed to be headed towards Toronto, Toronto, Canada, but somehow we ended up 500 miles off course. We didn't realize it until it was too late. We, we, the plane's instruments said we were at an altitude of about five five thousand feet, so we we're making an, an ascent. But it was wrong. We came into contact with the dome. I, I, I've been stuck in this jungle. We, when we hit the dome, I, I, I tried to pull up. I tried to pull up. But, but the tail section of the plane hit the dome and split in two. I don't think there's very many survivors. I haven't come into contact with that many. I wasn't able to get in contact with you last week because I I tried to fashion a radio, something to contact the outside world. I couldn't do it. Luckily, I was able to salvage some things from the plane, and I was able to make a transceiver that displayed digital TV signals on my cell phone, which I I thankfully had enough, enough... Battery juice left to where I could watch under the dome last week, and again this week, and finally I've, I fashioned a, a satellite internet connector. It's complicated. I don't know. I, it's powered by, by bare urine. I'm I'm embarrassed to even say this, but it it, it works. And so I, even though I'm trapped here, I did make some, some observations. I'm sorry. This. I'll try to keep it as quick as I can. I'd just like to say, when it comes to Barbie and he was up in that fire tower, who who puts a key on a chair? Not in your pocket. Come on. Sam, you said you killed Christine. You didn't kill her. You ineffectively stabbed her and didn't wait and finish the job. But still, Sam is hero next to Big Jim. I was confused by the time thing. I don't know, I've been kind of lightheaded ever since I ever since I wrecked, but I didn't understand why they kept showing the times, and, and then I guess it was where they were showing everybody's story happening. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to Big Jim and Julia being lovers. I think they could be cute together, and age is just a number. Oh boy. I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen next. I just... I don't know. I, just, I don't... I don't know where I am. I just, you know, I just like to thank Sir Wayne, Sir Troy, for everybody here at Under the Dome Radio. I'm Aaron Arnott Jr. and guys, where am I? I think I'm. Lost. Uh.
2: Oh, yeah, Aaron. Oh, man, that was epic. Thank you so much for that. You had me at bare urine. I <laughs> oh, thought you were going to like that one. <laughs> I'm still urine. trying to figure out how he um, collects that. But then again, I figured I better not find out.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited to hear the continuing stories of Aaron Arnett Jr. over the next couple of weeks, because maybe Aaron is the one that's communicating with our dome in Chester's mill from his dome from
2: far away. He he might be. And just disguising his voice or something in the transmission, he was going to Toronto and now he's way off course. But in some instances, Aaron, I am just thankful that you survived that horrific plane crash. It's a miracle. And on the other hand, Who needs an NPR serial podcast when you can get stuff like that right here on Under the Dome Radio?
0: That is true. That is true. Thanks so much for sending that in, Aaron. That was pretty awesome. And I think the one thing we could take from this week is that there are some people that would really like a big Jim and Julia relationship. There are some people that don't want a big Jim and Julia relationship. But at the end of the day, keep your keys in your pockets.
2: And age is just a number. But did you say relationship?
0: I did. I think he's lost.
2: Oh, that was epic. Anytime I hear that lost music or that thud at the end. Oh, chills, 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 Aaron Arnett. Thank you so much. Also, this past week, we got a new iTunes review, which if you like the show and you want to let the world know what you think about Under the Dome Radio, just visit com slash iTunes, and it'll help take you right there. And Kelly3222 from here in America left... The, A review titled Love, Sir Troy and Sir Wayne. So definitely love back at you as well, Kelly. I absolutely love these two trying. (laughs) That's us trying, Troy. I absolutely love these two trying to make sense out of a TV show that makes no sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like everybody's been saying, this after show is way more entertaining than the actual show itself. I'm entertained just reading that. Uh, Thank you so very much. We're humbled and honored by that review. And we are just trying to have fun because it is, after all, show business.
0: That it is. That it is. And with that, we will now dole out our honorary Under the Dome radio DJ of the week. And that is going to go out to one, Neil from Bowie. I I really like Neil's points this week about how people were being ejected out of the window. And then the fact that Barbie forgot his notepad that he used right away in the first episode even. And he just couldn't remember to bring that along when he needed to go talk to people and tell them, Hey, run into the flames. You'll you'll be safe if you run into the flames.
2: He's just setting stuff down everywhere, willy nilly, throwing down dog tags, leaving his notepad behind. That's the same one that he wrote, you know, to show the outside world, listen to Under the Dome Radio on iTunes. He did that and now he's left it behind. Oh my goodness. Dropping, Come
0: on. Dropping his keys in his girlfriend's pants.
2: Wait, what? <laughs> oh my So oh, wow. Uh so you uh, could, Neil.
0: Yeah, thanks, Neil. We appreciate it. Oh, man. You can follow Neil also on Twitter to see what he's talking about. You can do that at nottenst. That's N-O-T-T-E-N-S-T on Twitter all season long.
2: Definitely follow him, especially while the episode is airing each week on Thursday nights. He always shares some thoughts about it Under the Dome, so that's a good, good thing. Now, we do have some quote-unquote spoilery stuff to share with you next, so if you want to jump ship That's cool. We're not going to hold it against you. Just make sure you subscribe to the show and join us next time to hear more discussions about Under the Dome. All the details on where you can find us are at underthedomeradio.com slash 62 in honor of this being our 62nd episode. Spoiler warning.
3: Spoiler warning.
0: This is an Under the Dome radio investigative report. Next week on Under the Dome, or should we say this week, since we recorded this a little bit late, a True group that. of Chester's Mill residents form a resistance to combat Christine's control over the rest of the townspeople on Under the Dome. Thursday, August 6th, it's going to be entitled Breaking Point. Where mm. Big Jim, Julia, Joe, Nori, and Hunter in his wheelchair decked out as a <laughs> tank. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Well, only- Uh, They all joined together to form a resistance against Christine, who was mobilizing residents to work on a massive excavation project in the caves underneath the town. Could it be a spaceship?
2: I say blow up the caves.
0: Also, we get to see Hunter now that he's free from the pills and his fear is letting him be normal. Uh, He's going to be able to use his technology skills to contact dun 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 the outside world. No, say it isn't. So it is, there might be survivors after all on under the dome Thursday, August 6th at 10 Eastern and Pacific nine central on CBS. And just taking a look at the recurring cast, of course, Christine, uh, Aisha Hines, uh, Nori's mom, Carolyn will be back in the episode. And then we have a new character, I believe, uh, played by Gia Mantega, Metegna, which is uh, Lily Walters. So keep an eye out for Lily. She might be an important person in the episode since she got credits in the casting.
2: Oh, boy. More new people coming out of the woodwork. Now, two things I wanted to share about this. Of course, Breaking Point reminds me a little too much of Dean Norris's other show, Breaking Bad. I think they're trying to do a little subliminal thing there. And the other thing, because I did watch the teaser trailer at the end of the episode, because at this point, spoiler schmoiler what yeah what the heck and i cannot believe one of the things that big jim says in this upcoming episode i think it is a little too much to even be considered even before seeing the episode i think it's too much to be considered as a big jim uh quote of the week but i could not believe it i did you see it were you shocked and stunned troy
0: no i have not actually seen the trailer for next week i was gonna wait I wanted to keep my my brain in the barbecuing of the people because that's the one thing I waited for <laughs> for three seasons.
2: <laughs> well, of course, that Troy I know that's what you've been waiting for. Okay, so I'm just forewarning you, Big Jim has a line next week. It may be brief, but it's like, "Oh my goodness, did he really say that on television?" That's all I'm saying.
0: All right. And with that, we will close out for this week. We just want to say thanks to all of you for subscribing to the show over the past few seasons. But of course, the fun is not over yet. Keep those five pink star ratings and reviews coming in iTunes. Go ahead and pause the show right here on your iOS device. If you have one, leave your review, then come on back and finish it on up. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes when you have a chance.
2: And if you're adverse to the color pink, you can always leave us a five magenta star review. In keeping with the actual color of the stars on the television show, that's up to you. This podcast is made possible by you. And during this third season of Under the Dome, we still need those propane deliveries to keep the station running. And yet we're going to magically turn it into donations for Ben. So just go to underthedomeradio.com for all the details. And if you do donate any propane, the proceeds will go straight over to help Ben in his battle.
0: And we love connecting with all of you, fellow domies. So head on over to Underthedomeradio.com. That's where you can find all of our social links, right at the top of the website. Again, we have a clamor page, Twitter, uh, go, go ahead and check us out on Facebook. You know, connect with us anywhere wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get us there. Spreaker, tune-in, stitcher. You know it, we're out there. Just go to underthedome radio.com, right at the top of the page. And you'll be able to find everything you need to about their great community that we have right here in Chester's
2: Mill. And we want to thank you again because we do not take your time lightly. We thank you for taking the time to listen to Under the Dome Radio. Share your thoughts and theories for the next one at underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details. And until next time, I'm at Wayne Henderson.
0: And I am at Troy Heinrichs preparing my assault on Christine with my own kinship as we stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at
4: noodle.mx.